Hello, and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. In today's podcast, we're joined by Professor Jim McKenna, an expert within behavioural change. Jim's going to share his insight on how we can drive engagement with wellbeing initiatives by using really easy to implement models. Jim taught me at university and taught me so much when I was there, and I can't wait for him to share his insight, his energy and his expertise with you today on the podcast. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Harry. How about you? Very well, very well. Another good day, another good day at Champion Health. So really good to really good to see you today. Um, thank you for taking the time out. And today, what I'd, I'd love to be able to do is just discuss all things behavioural change. And this topic keeps coming up in, in organisations that we speak to in terms of how to drive engagement, how to change behaviours for the long term and the yeah. stickiness of platforms as well. So I guess where would you start when it comes to engagement and driving engagement with wellbeing initiatives or any other initiative um, that an organisation may want to implement? Uh, I, I think the, the same place we'd start with anybody um, to try and find a nice simple framework that allows you to get going and gets you quick results. So I would encourage anybody to use uh, the EAST framework, which is um, how, how can you make the behavior easy, attractive, social, and timely? And whatever behavior change you're trying to make, make it easier, more attractive, more social, and more timely than you think necessary. And if you do that, you'll be getting, the, uh, you'll be getting a lot more traction with your client group. In terms of well-being at the moment, obviously the last year, year and a half, it's well-being's risen to the top of the agenda. And engagement has increased as well, because I think a lot of organisations and individuals within them have realised how important well-being is. In terms of making things easy, especially with a remote workforce, how would you go about doing that? Are there any examples that you could give to the listeners? Yeah, well, if we just use physical activity as an example, because that's that's a nice complex behaviour and it's got lots of challenges in and around it. But uh, one way you'd make it easier, for example, uh, is if you didn't negotiate with yourself about when you do it. So you say, well, I, I, I you know, before I do anything, I, I go for a walk. You know, so that means I go for a walk between nine and ten o'clock in the morning. If you just said that and say, I, I, there's no negotiation, I don't make any appointments. So that's a, that's a relatively simple thing. If you've got autonomy, another way of making it easy is to shrink it and you if you shrink if i said physical activity i need to do half an hour well what if you can't do half an hour how would 10 minutes be or how would five minutes be because the reality is once you've done five minutes you think oh well i'm this far Mm. in i might as well keep going so you what you've got to do is try and make sure that the, the behavior is initiated and we must keep the sequence of initiating the behavior. Even if you, you know, it's a bit like going to the gym and only sitting in the coffee bar. You know, it doesn't matter that you only went to the coffee bar. It's the act of keeping going to the gym that matters. Once you once you keep that happening, then the other behavior is likely to happen. So Jim, we've talked at long length previously, um, and obviously you've taught me in, in the past as well, about looking to, to add on the behaviors. And so when you're brushing your teeth, doing a moment of mindfulness, for example, or a balancing exercise. Can you share some more examples about how we can do that within the workplace too? Yeah, that, that, that's a notion called temptation bundling. Uh, and by the way, anyone who's listening, I, I, everything Harry knows, I taught him, right? <laughs> <laughs> As if that were true. <laughs> uh, but it, it's called temptation bundling. And often the, 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 the behaviours that work well are, are the, it's something that you're going to do anyway with something that you find a little more challenging. So an example would be... Um, if I like going to the gym, as an example, but I don't like reading, it'd be a really nice idea to get on a bike and to have a book with you so that in the 25 minutes or half hour that you're spending 
on the bike, you're actually reading at the same time. So you try and double up with your behaviors. So you, you get something that's harder and you attach it to something that's easier for you. Uh, and, and I think there are all kinds of complementary um, uh, kind of notions like that. And, and it's not because they're all written down. So, but I think people can afford to be really very creative here mm. about um, how you do these things. So, for example, um, you know, you, you've always got to eat the broccoli in some kind of way, haven't you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, well, how how do you get your kids to eat the broccoli? Well, you put it with something nice, don't you? So you give them a nice sweet drink or something like that, and if they eat the broccoli, then they can have and so on. Uh, and th that's exactly the kind of concept that we're trying to get here. And it, when it comes to the individual, we look at individual behavior change and self-care and all of those constructs. Organizational change is a huge element as well when it comes to yeah. successful and high-performing uh, high companies. What are the main yeah. tips that you'd give to, again, our listeners that are looking to build effective workplace health strategies within their organizations? Well, I, I think the really important things are, are to think backwards rather than to plan forwards. So, for example, if you know what the ideal behavior profile is for a group of people, then what you do is you say, right, okay, if I say, well, it's, it's good that people do mindfulness every day for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. So let, let's say that's a behavior that makes your company really fly. You can say, okay, well, what, what is the behavior nearest to the 10 minutes of mindfulness that they need to do? So if it is that... Um, they, they have to uh, go into a particular room or they need to get, open up a particular app. The, the work of the business then is to make sure that action of opening the app is super, super easy. It's prompted at the right time when they've got windows in their, in their diary, etc. And it just comes to them very easily and they fall to it. So you've applied the EAST framework. Yep. You know, the easy, attractive, simple, uh, social and timely, uh, and then people can do it. The number one thing you have to design out of any of these things, if you really want to be successful, is design out the idea that someone has to remember to do yeah. it. And I, I've heard you talk about sludge and that word. That word really stuck yeah. with me, that if things yeah. are clunky, and we're all familiar with that in, a, in, in our organizations, we don't do it. And I look back to the behaviors that I might not engage with. It's the ones that are more difficult that requires me to remember them. And so in terms of setting those reminders as an organization, how, how can people for other individuals really prompt those reminders? Because there's only so much we can do as individuals, as well-being leads or HR directors. Yeah, I, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to take the attention away from it. it's always a self-initiated kind of concept. While the self-initiation is really powerful, I'm not, not suggesting otherwise, but it needs supplementary support. So an example would be, uh, well, if individuals want to set their own mobile phones so that there's alarms going there, but if they prompt their friends to talk to to say to them, you know, it's 10 to 11, Jim, aren't, aren't you supposed to be doing your mindfulness mm. stuff or whatever the thing is? And you, you put signals around you. So you have a message that's, you know, on your screensaver. You have something that you, you, your cup reminds me, uh, reminds you, and you normally have a cup of coffee at quarter to 11 and you see there that it's got a signal to say, do the mindfulness, Jim. You, know, you, you, you can develop it how you like. But the point is to not rely on memory and, and to not rely on um, the idea that you've got to be motivated to make it happen. Uh, you just need enough stimuli or stimulus to make sure that you are coaxed into doing that thing and and by the way I'm, I'm not talking about pushing people uphill you know if it's a difficult behavior for you 
then you know the nudging kind of stuff that I'm describing just there doesn't mm. work. Now, nudging's a downhill business. It's to try and get you to do things you do yeah. want to do. Uh, you just you just opt out a little bit just because you know life's a bit like that, isn't it? And one of the things that we've spoken about previously is also around middle management and the importance of middle management taking care of their own well-being as much as anyone else. They're often tasked with supporting the people around them and you've said previously that they're being squeezed top down bottom up and it's very difficult for them and so what advice would you give to organizations in supporting middle management well i think it's really crucial here that we we we, uh, leverage the long arm of leadership uh, so a triple L there for you. Uh, but basically what, what we're looking for in, in for middle managers uh, is we need them to be reminded that they have the authority to do the good behaviours that help them to behave well, to act well as models, but also then to, to model the, the performance benefits in the same moment. So they need regular reminders. So uh, lifestyle behaviour as a matter of it's the first thing that comes up on every agenda at mm-hmm. every meeting. And people are reminded that it's okay. Uh, senior managers who conduct, who are holding those meetings, to to share sticky yeah. stories about how they're managing their mm-hmm. own lifestyle and how they have sticky moments yeah. too, when it's not always easy. Uh, and the thing that they learnt was, and and sharing of stories like that, because that gives authority for everybody that that's what we want you doing in this organisation. And there's a big thing at the moment coming out about psychological safety. And the more I read about it, the more research that I look at, the more important it is. And I know Google did some research recently that they correlated that was the the main area um, that led to high performance within their business units was around high levels of psychological safety within. And just going on to another topic that I'd love to be able to get through in, in this time that we have together is we have a lot of high performers listening into this podcast that not only want to support the people around them and their organizations, but also want to strive personally and professionally themselves. What advice could you give to them? And and some of the advice you may have given to me as well in the past around scoring yourself and and holding yourself accountable, all of those elements, would you be able to share with, with our audience? Yeah, uh, well, one of the most important things you can do is uh, is keeping score uh, because it, uh, until you keep score on on the key behaviours, basically you're just messing yeah. about at it. You, you know, it's a bit like a bit like kid playing in the park. You know, but when you're when you're serious about it, uh, you keep score every day about how well you did your best. So you'll know, Harry, that I have a scoring card that I complete at the end of every day. Uh, It's a signal for my end of day. I'm stopping working when I do the scoring. It's against six criteria. Um, and and they're ones that I've stolen from uh, in and around the place. But the the STEM question that I ask is, how well have I done my best against these six criteria? Uh, To find meaning, uh, to, to do happy doing, so rather than just be happy, it's happy doing. Um, how, how, how well have I done my best to be fully engaged with the things I was doing? How well have I done my best to build positive relationships? How well have I done my best to set positive goals? And how well have I done my best to pursue those positive goals? And so that gives me a possible score out of 60 in any given day. Uh, and so what I can do is I can track I can track the total scores, say, over multiple weeks. So I can say, why is my Monday always worse than my Tuesday? I can start looking at it like that. Or I can look at the scores over, say, 
uh, how, well, how well have I built positive relationships? I could be watching those week upon week to see if there are any trends. Uh, and that scoring then allows me to see how well I'm doing. Um, and, and it's really important. If and So you won't find those, score, those items necessarily the way I've expressed them anywhere. You can develop your own. Uh, the things that really matter. And, and the reason why I have those is because I'm in a people business and I do a lot with other people. So the relationships, etc., really matter. I'm in a senior position. So my, my setting of goals and pursuing a positive goals is important in terms of affecting the social environment that's around me. I know that people are watching me more than I'm watching them. So they need to see me doing positive things. So all of that is is kind of constructed in the way Fantastic. that I think Fantastic. And in what is. I can see from the goals that you've set as well is they're not necessarily outcome-based goals, they're effort-based goals. Um, and that's something that you've really shared with me and, and taught me um, over however many years. Yeah, a, re a really important distinction that I think many people who are pursuing a uh, higher level performance is that they think that it's about setting high stretch yeah. goals from the get go. Yeah. And it really isn't. You must establish the routines so they become habits. And once they become habits, you can start and stretch them, but not until because otherwise they become really, yeah. really brittle. And the second you don't meet the goal, you know, over, well, I say the second, but say over a longer period, if you keep continually failing against the goal, you'll start abandoning the goal and then the behavior's lost and you're back to nowhere. Uh, and that's no good. So it's, it's, it's routines become habits. Habits can then go into goals. Jim, I could talk to you for hours. Um, unfortunately, we've got 12 minutes on this podcast. Thank you so much for <laughs> taking the time out and just sharing. Um, all of your energy expertise and knowledge with us today. My pleasure. That was just incredible. Thank you so much, Jim, for sharing all of your insight when it comes to driving engagement and behavioral change within our organizations. I, for one, have taken so many notes just in the last 12 minutes. And all we want is for you to be able to implement one thing within your organization tomorrow. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.